There comes a time, and there is now a time, when those who worship God will worship in spirit and in truth. That is the response Jesus gives to the woman at the well. We'll look at that next. This week, we're in John chapter 4 in our series called The Life Changer. We're looking at Jesus at the well in Samaria with the woman he finds at the well. This encounter is divinely ordained by God, and it is rich with insights for you and I as we understand what it means to produce worshipers, to be evangelists. Worship, its danger and its delight. That's our focus today as we're in John chapter 4, verse 23, as well as Matthew 15, verses 7 and 8. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Look at Matthew 4. Satan comes and tempts Christ. And he says in verse 9, after showing him all the kingdoms of this world and their splendor, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It was Chesterton who said, When a man walks away from the worship of God, it's not that he stops worshiping, it's that he will now worship anything. If God is not the object of your worship, You won't find it insane to worship an animal, to worship money, a relationship, uh, kiss a snake. If you follow Romans 1 and the idolatry there, to kiss a piece of stone and to spend all day Sunday shining your idol called a car. You'll worship something. But he said, thou shalt, the Son of God said, there is no other option for me as the Son but to worship God the Father. Now, look in chapter 15, when he's talking to hypocritical religionists. Hypocrites go to church, and it's a good place. They might be able to be saved. They never get saved at a parking lot. They get saved being around people who are saved, right? So, if you're a hypocrite, we're glad to have you. And I just pray that you'll come to Christ. Watch what he says in verse 7. He was taking on the sin of uh, when your mother and father need help, and you say, no, my money's dedicated to the temple, and he's he's exposing that sin. And so then he says, verse 7, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So to honor God was to worship God, and he warns of this horrendous possibility of church folks, that you could be doing externalities without heart engagement. You could be going through what looks good motions, external behavior that would give you credit. Boy, they really love God. They really know God. And it is so lethal. 
I might be preaching as a hypocrite today. I may not believe a word I say, but I got to look good for the moment because you know it's my job. The bonus, the reality is, is my heart engaged in what I'm doing towards the living God? Sometimes your heart can be engaged and you preach a lousy sermon. You just couldn't put it together. You didn't have the four R's and three poems and three jokes. Well, I am the joke, so I don't need to tell them. See, I am just what I am. But I've preached some lousy sermons while I was in the middle of worship. What really counted between God and I was the condition of my heart. And there's been times I think I've preached, wow, and I'm not sure my heart was quite there. I fight it all the time. It's easy to be a hypocrite when you're a preacher because you've got to look good all the time. And it's easy to be a hypocrite this morning and kind of move your lips around and you call it a song service. So was your heart engaged? Was there anything you would do this morning that engages a vertical connection with God? So he warns us, and we'll pick that up later. And then we go back to John, where he, nine times the word is worship is used in John 4. And Christ gives us that astounding revelation in verse 22. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. And do you think idolatrous worship is that? Absolutely. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Let me hang my thoughts on the letter D. Let me give you a definition of worship. We'll try to unpackage that more tonight. Uh, Let me then tell you and explain some of the dangers connected with worship. And then, uh, just underscore, worship is a duty. It's given to us as a duty. And finally, it ought to be a delight. I want to define it. I want to warn you of the dangers connected with it. I want to tell you that it's a duty command it to us, and it should become our delight. So maybe that will help us. What does uh, worship really mean? Well, uh, the main Hebrew word that was carried over to the New Testament was the word to always bow down, bow down. And it's found in the Gospels. It's the primary word in the bow down and worship the Lord. You shall worship the Lord. And it was bowed down. And the idea was you uh, acknowledged the majesty of the person you were bowing to. It was your way to show their magnificence, honor. And so it had a physical connotation. Bow down. Uh, The Hebrew children were told to bow down to the idol. But when you get in the New Testament, this word is used of when the men bowed to Christ, and it's a little word, proskuneo. It's sometimes it's translated to kiss. It's used that way in Psalms 2.8. Kiss the son. Kiss the, and it meant 
go toward and show affection, show uh, honor to them, or physically bow down. The word is absent from the epistles. It's not used that way of worship. It's used in Revelation when the elders are bowing down. Jews, when they bowed to Christ, but in the epistles, it goes away. And why? Because worship is going to turn from externalities to an inward connection with God. Um, Worship has the concept of awe. I don't say things are awesome unless I'm talking about God. And there was an awesome hamburger. Oh, baloney. Never ate an awesome hamburger in my life. And that was awesome. See, it used to be only of God. But we've cheapened holy language. Don't be saying to a person, well, praise the Lord. Cut out religious cliches. It's easy for us in the church to do it. It becomes taking God's name in vain. Um, But it meant awe, adoration acknowledgement of. And uh, if you can just say A, you can get it. Uh, It's taken from the Hebrew word kavod, and what it meant is our God is of substance. He's weighty. Uh, When they talked to Belshazzar at the feast, he said, thou art weighed and found, in Hebrew, found light. Not bud light, you're found light. There's no substance to you, Belshazzar. Our God will break the scale. There's no scale that can heavy him. He's got too much substance. He is weighty. He is to be feared. He is to be revered. You're not dealing with light stuff here. He's heavy. And we use that as a vernacular. Man, that's heavy. And we're saying, I don't understand. It's beyond me. And you've gone to multiplication. You know, but when God, he is weighty. You can't contain the full of what he is. Kavod. It came to be used not only of what one was internally. It became used of how they manifested themselves. Their effulgence. Their uh, glory would be the word. So when God manifests himself at Sinai, when God would shine, when God would make a mountain move or lightning and thunder, it's, he was showing his glory, his substance, his power to his creatures. One of the ways he says God gets glory is when his creatures acknowledge what he is. We call it praise. You are great in power. If you said that, that's praise. You are great in knowledge. You are the absolute superlative of everything that's great. Great in wealth. Great in wisdom. Great in power. Great in love. If anything is virtuous, uh, kind, great, he is the utmost of it. That's why your greatest pleasures can only be found in the most superlative being, which is God. Everything else is toys down here. You're just tampering with stuff. Why don't you plunge into the Godhead if you want pleasure? You act like this God can't satisfy your little heart. He can make it explode. You know, I've tasted of God, but I still hunger for Egypt. 
No, those were the grumblers that didn't know God that were just going along on the journey. And they got killed off in 40 years. And that's what God has to do with a lot of stragglers in church. Kill them off. Let them die. Those who know God don't want the leek and garlic of an old life. They've tasted of something better. And so when you talk about defying God, uh, uh, let me just give you something. I looked up a, a worship guy uh, that teaches music, and, and he did a little thing on how God is worshiped, and he just came up with 50 ways in the Psalms. Let me ask you this. As I read this list, tell me if you did. As I read the list, and if you did it today, raise your hand at that point. They worship. How many worship today? Wow, better than I thought. Good. I was totally mad at you. <laughs> two, praise. Did you say anything about God in your heart? That was two of him. Exultant. Extol. Magnify. Thank. Love. Rejoice. Glorify. Exalt. Serve. Stand in awe. Fear. Bless, shout for joy. Kevin's the only one that does this in our church. A few of our black folks. May their tribe multiply. I mean, you, most boring churches I've gone to are conservative. You're a boring bunch to preach to if you're a straight conservative. Mm. Because God is only to be taken seriously. Well, why did he say shout for joy? He didn't just say, shout, you do that with your wife. This is for joy. Now, if one person does that, I'd have them sit down and say, Kevin, be quiet. They're not with it. This isn't the right place. But wouldn't it be something if we had times when the congregation said the only place we could take how we feel about a God we're extolling and exulting in and getting a grasp on is, I just want to shout for joy. He is great and mighty. Is that biblical? Is that too emotional? Come here. Somebody fix me. Fix me. Is it all right? Is that backwards? Yeah. It's not like whipped up. Because we're going to get to that. I'm not there. I'm warming up. I'm just talking. Don't get over a shout. Lock the doors. No. Uh, delight in. Clap your hands before. Psalms 47.1. It's okay to clap hands in church. We don't do it like at the theater, great performance. We clap because most folks quit saying amen. So clapping replaced. I started to close the church down over in the other building when they, you started clapping. And, I, and some came to me. They were offended. And I finally figured it out. Someone said, don't make a stop. We, we're afraid to say amen, but we'll clap. I said, any response is better than none. Uh, behold the beauty. Lift up hands to. Does this make you charismatic? Or does this make you psalms? The charismatics are just more obedient. You said on yours sometimes. Make a joyful noise to. Hold on. Ascribe to. Pray to. Cry out to. I had some folks get mad at a public prayer meeting we had here because a man was broken and he cried out too loud. They said, we won't come back if people can pray out that loud. I said, would you be better that they not pray out? Absolutely. They're not here. Sacrifice to 
bow down before. Some people tell me, that sometimes I just want to get on my knees in the service. My daughter's always saying that. Why don't we get on our knees when God works among us? I don't know. We just don't do that. We don't. Why don't we? It's hard on old knees. Well, bring a pillow. In our prayer thing downstairs, we got pillows to pray on. And the only fights we have in there is who gets the pillow. Uh, Taste and see. Vow. There's 50. I can't go through all of them. Hey, oh, God says, respond to me somehow. And he never, not one of these things, did he say, stare. Now, there's places he says, be quiet. But if we all came in here, we couldn't sing. If we all said, I've taken a vow of silence. Well, do that at home. When you come with the saints, you sing together. We're commanded to sing together. We're commanded. The Spirit's filling makes you a singer. It doesn't mean you know how to sing. Because it happens in the heart, and it finds its way to the mouth. But it doesn't mean quality. God's got angels singing to him. He's not impressed with your voice. He's impressed with the attitude by which we sing. What is doing it? Are we singing unto God a new song, a song of praise? It is biblical to be a singing Christian. Well, uh, let's go away from definition. I'm coming back to it tonight, and I'm going to explain to you things that you can say about God. Let's talk about the dangers to worship. Here he's talking to this uh, woman of uh, ill repute, no doubt a highly questionable character at Sychar. And he said, let me tell you some things about worship. Worship since the Son of God has come has, is going to be decentralized. It's no longer tied to geography. It's not on this mountain or Jerusalem. It's no longer dependent on a priesthood. It's no longer dependent on external sacrifices, animals, whatever. Uh, worship is going to now require three things. Three things. It's going to require a brand new temple. And I told you in John 2, I'm the new temple. Bury this temple, kill this temple, and in three days I'll raise it. Christ is the central place of worship for the believer. Christ. Two, it must be in the realm of your human spirit. You must worship in spirit. And three, it must be in the realm of truth. Okay? Now, Philippians 3.3 3 says the true people of God are marked by three things. They worship in the Spirit, they glory in Christ, and they put no confidence in the flesh. That's one of the best descriptions you could ever find of what the people of God are. We worship God in Spirit, we glory in Jesus Christ, and we have no confidence in the flesh. That's who we are. Who we are. So we want to talk about him, talk about him, and let's not talk about us. Because we're not the attraction. See, what you ought to think of when you come to church, don't think of me as uh, I, that I can make you the audience. Guess who the audience is in worship? God. And, and, and who are the uh, actors on the stage? And what am I supposed to be doing? I'm a prompter to help you get your lines. You're the worshipers. We got an audience of one. 
We worship God, don't we? And so when you come in here, say, I want to offer to the Lord. I want to lift up my soul to the Lord. Now, there will be benefits for all of us because your enthusiasm for God and your joy in God overflows, and it stimulates me. It has that wonderful effect. And, and if you're all sour and down, I've got to fight a spiritual battle for me not to get as sour as you're looking at me. It, come on. I'm just a human being, right? And so I, I look at faces. He told, Ezekiel said, don't look at their faces. And I know why. He said, don't be afraid of them. Ezekiel too. A prophet. Not every congregation inspires you to preach. This has been a wonderful church to preach to. I only wish we had both services together. I like a full building uh, more than half. It's a different feel. I love it. That's why as Pentecostals, we were brilliant. We met in small buildings. We could always say we were packed full. That, that one pastor said they'd gone to three services. I said, how many are you running? He said, 75, 25 each service. Wow, I wanted to go to triple services. There's something when you're in there and you sense body life and the meeting is more than the preacher. It's the singing. It's the feel. You're with the body of Christ. You're preaching to one another just by being there praising the Lord. If you don't know what I'm talking about, someday pray could happen here for you. Well, uh, the dangers uh, in worship. Well, I think he says you can do things externally that has nothing to do with your heart. And let me give you some of the externals that we uh, uh, deal with today. Uh, music battles. What kind of music will reach this culture? Well, when does culture determine the content of what you sing? Now, we didn't even have a piano today. That's why it wasn't sacred. And the organ, you know, let me say this. The issue in worship, whatever we do, is substance, not style. Substance. I don't care if you do it with a guitar. I've been playing a guitar longer than some of you have been alive. Don't tell me about different musics. I grew up with mandolins, banjos, guitars, before any of all the young, cool kiddies discovered it. I did it when we were holy rollers 55 years ago. And we weren't consulting John MacArthur on whether we could do it. We did it because that was our way of loving God. And we did it with all our heart. I've seen bigger bands and bigger instruments and less worship. Music is not worship. It's the one who performs it that's the worshiper. The singer, the musician. There's nothing that's worship about a keyboard. But if you put it in the hands of a worshiper, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Uh, that's what's ruined a lot of, uh, I think, black gospel, is they went to a market, went to auditoriums. It moved out of the context of the church, and it became entertainment. It's different than when it's in the church. There's no place I like to sing and even hear someone sing. as like when it's a gathering of the saints. Well, as we come to the close of our time today, here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program. 
a question about your own relationship with Christ. Maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org online or call. The phone number is 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. One other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times since ministries all over the world are actually suffering, and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry. Whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or, again, call 855-833-9864. Or you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today. Blessed be the name.